Welcome to Decode Your Burnout, the podcast where we crack the code on burnout based on three primary factors, your programming, environment, and personality. We also feature experts who debunk the myths about what it takes to be successful in their industry and spin those tips to fit the workplace so you can optimize the way you work. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Grossman, a psychologist turned coach, author, and burnout expert. If you're burned out and want to go from exhausted to extraordinary, book a free breakthrough session with me by going to bookachatwithsharon.com. And if you want to see how you're doing and what to focus on next, download the burnout checklist. You'll find the link in the show notes or go to bit.ly forward slash check your burnout. Now let's get started. Hello, Decode Your Burnout fans, and welcome to another episode with me, Dr. Sharon Grossman. And today we actually have another Sharon on the show. And hopefully I don't butcher your last name, but it's Sharon Fikiti. Butchered. Fikiti? <laughs> well, no, it's Fikiti. Fikiti. There but we go. Okay. Nobody practiced I'm, before. <laughs> if I'm not asked how to phonetically spell it, I just enjoy what somebody's going to call me. There at this you go. <laughs> so, so shame on me. But let me properly introduce you. So, Sharon Feckety is the founder of the Doctor Whisperer and Thirteenth Avenue Media. She has been whispering strategies to physicians for over twenty years and amplifies businesses through the power of social media. As a firm believer in advocating toward improved mental health, she published her book, The Broken Road to Mental Health in Life and in Business, on her 25th sober anniversary, August 11th, 2019. Sharon speaks to corporations about mental health in the workplace and includes her own previous struggles with addiction, depression, and the journey to overcome adversity. She also speaks at medical conferences about hospitality in healthcare hiring a dream team and branding. Now, Sharon hosts not one, but two podcasts, The Broken Road to Mental Health and The Doctor Whisperer Show. She is the proud recipient of the 2022 Carol Haig, hopefully I said that right, Yeah. Achieve Hers Woman of the Year Award. But more importantly, she is a wife, stepmom, fur baby mom, and an avid bike rider. And she believes that we are all on the broken road and under construction for life. I love that. Thank you. Sharon, that, I mean, come on. That was a lot. (laughs) There's so much going on. I just want to like delete half of that and just go, I'm Sharon and you're Sharon and let's go. It's the Sharon show. Right? That's what we're calling it. Okay. So you've got a lot that you can talk to us about and- I think there's so much value in your story and your journey and the work that you do this day and age. And given everything that's going on in business today, I think we need this work for sure. So we've got listeners who are burned out and we come on the show to talk about how burnout shows up differently for everybody and how people need to figure out what's going on for them. So I always like to start out with your burnout story and then we can dissect it a little bit. Sure. Well, I wouldn't say I had one. I think, you know, I've had a few burnouts in my life, in my life first, and then in my business world. 
So I got very burnt out with myself and became, you know, an active alcoholic and drug addict. And at 19, I blacked out in New York and moved to Detroit, Michigan and stayed there for two and a half years. So that's burnt out from life. I was burnt out from the pain and I was trying to crawl out of pain by using substances. And then, you know, struggled with burnout of depression and not sharing that story with anybody and just hard, hard, hard things, right? That are whatever, they're in the book. And then what I didn't realize is that all the trauma that I was pushing down made me a very resilient leader. And resilience is not actually something I or anybody else should be striving for. So I became a very, you know, you know, workaholic. I was director of operations for a big medical company in New York. I pushed everything that I had gone through down, you know, just like, and now I'm a solution strategist. I've gone from, you know, burnt out and I'm just going to push everything down, forge ahead. And I'm going to throw myself into work. And I was just on a, a wheel of working nonstop. They loved me, of course, because that's all I did. And I was single and I, I didn't have any kids. And my whole identity was based on my job. And then being in a toxic relationship and all the things, I got burnt out of the New York rat race and moved to Tampa Bay and then ran a very toxic medical practice for eight years. Not only was I burnt out, the doctors were burnt out, the nurses were burnt out, you know, so the, so many different burnout stories. And then opening my own business, I got burnt out of just like going back to that, maybe pretending I was something that I wasn't. I was pretending by being a size zero and fitting into these dresses that I had to look a certain way in order to do this job. And I was hanging out with people that it was all surface. And so burnout for me is kind of like, it's weaved in and out of the fabric of my life many different times. And now I can see it in my clients and see it in others, but I don't think I really ever realized how burnt out I was until I wrote my book in 2019 and I started reliving the trauma that I had pushed down for so long. So it's my very long-winded answer, Sharon. There's so much in there we could talk about, but what stood out to me is you're telling basically these two stories. I burned out in life mm-hmm. and I burned out at work. And if we had to give one word to each of those, it's alcoholic, workaholic. Mm-hmm. So the common theme here is excess. There's excess of something, yes. right? Where as you say, it's a way of getting to some sort of a feeling, some sort of a result. So coming out of all that, I mean, you've been through a lot. Yeah. So now that you're on the other side of that and you're looking back, because there's so many people, so many people that burn out that are workaholics and Mm -hmm. that are alcoholics and sometimes both because they're working so much and then they don't really have a life and they're like uber stressed and they don't know how to cope and then they drink. So that is like a super common combination. So whether you're one or the other or both, right? Looking back at that now, what would you say is the biggest takeaway for you about 
what caused the excess? Well, the biggest takeaway first, I will say, is that all of my unresolved trauma led to my burnout in life and in business. Everything is so closely related. You know, whatever I didn't work out in my life, I just, just like you said, you know, workaholism, you know, some people it's food, some it's gambling, there's just switching addictions. So I used to say to people that I am, because I was from New York, Mm -hmm. that there was no way I was ever going to be able to meditate because I couldn't stop my brain for that long. Well, that wasn't true. Like, but I hear a lot of people say that. Yeah. A lot of people say that. Right. Sure. The truth is if I stopped my brain, I would have been thinking about all of these horrible things that have happened in my life. And I just decided to push all those things down. So I think that, you know, it's easy for me to connect the dots now, but I did not honestly, and I'm not embarrassed to say it because I've been saying it now since 2019, I didn't recognize any of this until I wrote my book because I went straight into, well, you hear a lot of, I pulled up my bootstraps, right? A lot of this resilience. I hear it in my family, you know, where immigrant Irish, everybody has been through a lot. Like that's the thing. Oh, big deal, Sharon. You moved here from New York to Florida. I left the country with nobody, right? Okay. Well, that's true. But there's always this comparison and and you have it better than most. And so there was better than I had it. Right. There's never this time to heal. Right. So uh, this is important. So I want to pause there for a second because this happens a lot, right? Where somebody has a really hard life and then you have your life and we all have hard things, right? And that comparison, either that that person who had the harder life says, well, like yours isn't that bad compared to mine. Or if you say like, who am I to have this depression and this burnout when really I just moved from New York to Florida where my parents, they had this whole like traumatic experience, right? When we're minimizing our own experience. So regardless of where that thing is coming from, I think it's important for people to hear that you are entitled to have the hardships in your life not be minimized. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Like it's your own and it's completely valid and it's what you know. And it doesn't make it any less just because somebody had a harder time. Right. This is not trauma Olympics. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love that. This isn't like, well, and but that is what I heard my whole life. I mean, literally to like just last week, I still hear it. I still hear it to this day. So I was programmed that I have it so much better than so many other people. How dare I complain, feel bad, feel pain. From the time I was little, I heard about the starving children in Ethiopia. And I know that they are. Sure. I could never not finish my food because there were starving children in Ethiopia. Yeah. So yes, this is such a good point. And then we do that, right? I just talked about this. I was just on a webinar about how in the workplace, what I find is some of the worst responses from like HR or leadership. When somebody shares their story, then you start telling them about your cousin in Idaho or wherever, right? Like, so nobody's listening. Right. Everyone's like, I can't wait for them to finish so I can tell them the thing that I have going on in my head. I'm so excited for you to stop talking so I can start talking. (laughs) We love hearing ourselves talk, right? 
Right. And that is the thing I say it all the time now. Like I heard it. I don't know where I heard it. I've searched to give quote to the proper person, but listening is not waiting for our opportunity to talk. It is not. And it's very rare to have somebody listen. Now we can both sit in silence. I love it. (laughs) It doesn't work on a podcast, that whole listening thing. But I, I also just remembered an earlier comment you made about the meditation and not wanting to take the time to do that because then you would have to face your own mind. Right. And I always, I like to tell the story. I've probably told this like two or three times already on this show. So let's hear it. Yeah. So I had a client once who was super anxious and super negative, like super self-critical. And he drove his company truck or whatever it was. And he said, I hated getting into that truck. Why? Because the radio didn't work. And so he would drive in silence and he'd have to sit with his own brain and listen to this constant criticism and negativity about how much he sucked and how stupid he was and what a loser he was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, ouch, that's like so painful. And yeah, I can understand why people don't want to sit in silence and take that abuse, right? And running away from our problems actually never solves them, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, the theme that came up when you said you you had like the unresolved trauma lead to your burnout, it's exactly that. It's that escapism. It's like, it's too painful for me to touch that with a 10-foot pole. So let me do this other thing, which will like distract my mind. And then I don't have to go there and I don't have to feel that and I don't have to touch it. And then we think that's a good solution until we realize that we're, completely running our life in a direction that doesn't work, right? And then we end up with all kinds of problems like the burnout because you're working too hard or the alcoholism because you're trying to numb. So I think if you are that person who has this really horrendous inner critic, let's work on that, right? Find a way to change the radio station inside your own head Mm -hmm. so that you can tune into yourself without feeling horrific. Like having that sort of relationship with yourself is never a good thing. And there's something that you can do about it. Yeah. I know what it's like to be a busy person. I wanted to be so busy because I didn't want to think about what I had been through. And I wanted to forget. Actually, I did. I wanted to forget it. I wanted to forget that person. I mean, I was 21 when I got sober. I'm 50 now. So I live in a different state. Nobody even in the state of Florida knew what I had gone through, you know, I pushed that person so far down. And now I, of course I can spot it with, with so many people. And I, I do have empathy for not wanting to quiet the mind, but it is quieting the mind where we hear what we're supposed to be doing, where we do get creative, where, you know, we do learn to heal. No, I really hate that hurt people, hurt people. Quote, because that's not true. I was hurt and I don't intentionally hurt anybody. And the only difference is that I've healed. So hurt people that don't heal hurt other people in life and in business. That is the truth. But hurt people that heal and get help and, and solve their childhood trauma, they will learn that that was the reason that they lashed out or that was the reason that they had the toxic relationship or that's the reason that she stayed in the workplace, in the toxic environment for 
you know, eight years too long. I know right. now I, I was attracted to drama in all aspects, work, life, the whole thing, because that's what I was used to. You quiet your mind and you don't, you want to be so far away from that noise. You don't know what to do with yourself. You want to be in peace. You want to walk in nature, you know? And I think it, it is a journey. It is a broken road of healing, but you can, but you definitely, there is no other answer, right? I mean, I feel like you definitely know this. There's, you have to heal your own life in order to do anything great. Forgetting doing anything great. How about just having a good life? Yeah. Well, yeah. Right? Like just being at peace. How about that? Let's just start small, right? Quote, unquote. Like how many people aren't at peace? Almost everybody. So many people are just living in chaos and drama and misery. And, you know, it's a lot of it's not their fault, right? As you said, a lot of it is childhood trauma, stuff that was done to us when we were young, when we were powerless. But as adults, you have to take responsibility for your own self. And you can stay in the victim role and you can numb and you can run away and you can do all these things, or you can get help and you can heal and you can get to the other side. And there's so many examples of people like you who have done that. So it is possible. We know it is. And it's a choice. So I hope that there's somebody that's listening to this right now who can use you as an example of what's possible and yeah. is inspired to do something about their life. Yeah. But, you know, also, I think it would be a good, good segue to talk about even how burnout led to a lot of my codependency. I didn't just- know. Yeah. I mean, I, because of what you talked about before of like comparing, you know, playing like trauma Olympics, I can look at somebody and know where they came from and go, oh, but they were traumatized as a child. Oh, but they lost their dad when they were very young. Oh, but they, but that does not give anybody a right to treat you bad. Like I have, it's big, big within my world. So I have to, to create a boundary. So I remove myself from people that decide to treat me badly and I will say a lot of that is are the people closest to me, my family, that I have to go because my mental health is way too important to be poisoned by the fact that you don't think that you should get help because of the generations that you grew up in or because you're a man or because you're a CEO or because, or because, or because, or because that was then, this is now. Those excuses are boring now. Yeah. And there's a difference between understanding and having empathy for somebody's story and why they are hurt, injured, wounded, whatever, and accepting their inappropriate behavior as a result of that explanation. So no, we can't understand, but we still should have those boundaries in place to protect ourselves because there's no good excuse or reason for somebody to mistreat you, period. Right? Yes. Okay. So- Yeah. So let's come back to burnout. And I know that you've got some tips that you want to share that come out of your own journey. And yeah, I mean, start us with the first one. So sure. So burnout is actually recognized as an ICD-10 code, right? So if you're in the medical industry, you know that international classification of disease and, and a lot of people want to focus on fixing a workplace rather than focusing on fixing the worker or the individual. 
And so that's a lot of the work that I do when I'm in workplaces is not, you know, everybody says, oh, we got to create a new culture here. No, we got to fix the one (laughs) that is toe up from the flow up broken, right? So that starts with us recognizing that, you know, we have to fix the whole problem, not just one individual. In every workplace, they say like 70% of people that are struggling are never going to say anything. They're never going to tell you because if they told you, they're not going to get a promotion. They might get fired. There's a lot of stigma. There's so much. And especially as a woman who already has the problem with you know equal pay and equity, the last thing that we want to do is tell somebody that you know we're having a tough day. I mean, I just was talking to an OBGYN two hours ago that was told that she shouldn't complain about her shoulder injury, that there are sports professionals that just get right back up and start pitching. Well, I don't know. There's that comparison again. That's a baseball player and an OBGYN taking a child out of a woman. There's a little difference there, right? Crazy. Uh, Yeah. And I think that, you know, employee assistance programs, some type of Outreach within the workplace is just so important. You know this, I know this. Not every leader in an organization is willing or able or vulnerable enough to share what they've been through, but that is the best thing to do. There's absolutely pairs to that. If you have an opportunity to help somebody else by sharing your trials and tribulations, then I say yes to that. And if you are a leader and you're like cringing right now, go watch Brene Brown's TED Talk because she's talking all about vulnerability and honestly, like this is the new, new, right? Like this is what we know works when somebody, and by the way, I mean, so many of my clients grew up with this idea of like, oh, being vulnerable is weak and I can't show my vulnerability and this and that. And it's like, come on, that's so old school. Nowadays, the truth is that anytime somebody is vulnerable, think about how you feel when somebody else shares, you're like, oh my God, I feel so close to this person and I want to hug them, right? That is how people are going to feel about you when you are vulnerable. So you are providing that opportunity for closeness and connection that can only lead to a better work culture, period. Totally. Yeah. I also think that there's too many people that are telling other people what to do and where to get help when they haven't fixed their own life. So if you're recommending that somebody go to therapy, I hope that you're going yourself. If you're recommending that somebody should go work out then you should probably take that advice. If you're recommending meditation, you know, you should probably be doing that too. I think that that to me, I just think it's just gross now. I'm working in the healthcare field for so long and watching physicians telling people that they need to lose weight and they're cardiologists and they really need to take a look at themselves before they do those things. This is a much smarter world we're living in today. Like these younger generations, right? Like I am so excited about them. I don't know why anybody's complaining about the younger generations. I'm like, oh, they're our only hope. They're literally our only hope because they're going to be the ones that really just are not going to put up with it. They're not going to put up with the the crap anymore. I don't know. Things are changing, people. They are changing so fast, whether it's technology or the people that, you know, the people are changing because we're the ones consuming the technology and it's shifting our brain and how we think and how we manage our lives and everything. So expect change to happen in the workplace. It has to come. It's just a result of everything else that's going on in the world. We don't work in a bubble. And, you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month in May when we're recording this and, you know, that's not enough. So you have to talk about it 
all the time. Yeah. And maybe just ask people how they're doing. That's a concept. Somebody right. at work comes up close to your desk and you look up from your phone and you say, hi, how are you? And then listen to them. Like that. Wait, wait, wait. So I just heard this. Somebody was saying how they had a mentor or somebody that really influenced them. And the question they would ask was, how are you really? And so I love adding that one word at the end. Because when we say, how are you? Everyone's like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. You know, it's like, but how are you really? And that one word, I think, really indicates like, I really want to know what's going on. Tell me everything that hurts. Mm-hmm. Tell me how I can help. Yeah. You know, I love that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would start with just how are you? Because the feedback that I get is that nobody does that in the workplaces. And that's, you know, if somebody's confused about how to, integrate mental health in the workplace, a wellness day isn't the answer because anybody that is struggling is not attracted to something that says wellness. It's like, for example, me. Yeah. When I gain weight, which has happened through the years, I don't want to go to the gym where everybody looks great and they're working out in front of a window where human beings outside of the gym can see me not attracted to that because I don't feel good about myself. So why would I be attracted to the well when I'm in struggle? So we have to be a little more brave and normalize the conversation surrounding burnout, surrounding mental health, but it has to be on a more consistent basis versus like a hashtag. Right. So segue, I often get asked to come and do like a wellness day, kind of a talk for for companies or a keynote or something. And my question is always, well, how serious are you about solving this burnout problem? Because mm-hmm. I'm like, there's so only so much I can do in an hour. You know what I mean? Like, if you're really serious, come on, yes. people. Yes. Like, let's, let's talk about how we solve this. Right. What resources are you going to provide? I always say when I'm asked to speak, it's great. Everybody's going to be so charged up about this real talk they're getting for a whole hour. And then I leave. Exactly. And then it's Tuesday, right? It's what the day after. Tuesday, right? Right. We're, oh, we're just back. Here's another great thing. Would you, everybody stop with the happy hours? You know, for me, for somebody who's sober, and I know I'm not the only sober person working. I know that for a fact, actually. Yeah. You'll appreciate this because we just went to lunch at like a salad place and they had a thing on the door that said happy hour from three to five. And what they do is they give you 50% off smoothies instead of serving alcohol. And I was like, come on, that's what we need. Like, Happy hour have, smoothies. Let's have mocktails instead of yeah. Let's, let's not, do it. Let's stop telling our employees, go home and have a glass of wine. Yeah, no. Let's go home and turn on Insight Timer and come down from the day. You know, these are yeah. real tools, you know, and I really do. I think it's a shame what isn't happening, but. There is hope, right? Because we're having this conversation and it's better than it was pre-pandemic. 100%. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So we've got your first tip, which was about the focus on fixing the workplace. Yes. What's tip number two? So you should be encouraging your staff about employee assistance programs. You should be encouraging them to get help, maybe to have an insight timer talk or encouraging a safe space because everybody is afraid to tell you that they have issues 
because they're going to get demoted and not promoted. So encouraging wellness, kind of like you said, the mocktails instead of the cocktails, you know, that, that sort of idea. I love that. Great. And tip number three. Tip number three is stop being such a hypocrite. Stop telling people what to do if you are not practicing it yourself. If you want a better workplace, if you want to be better in work, then you have to start doing some type of mental health workout. And I'm a big fan of therapy. Team therapy. Let's make therapy great again. That's the new slogan for America. (laughs) I love that. And everything. Oh, man. Sharon, I love how you take all these things that are in existence and you make them better. Thank you. Well, I make them more real, right? Like, let's just be real. Let's be real with each other. Yeah. Let's be real about what works. Yes. Right. Like, let's not promote the bad things. Let's not ignore the pain. Let's get authentic. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's provide resources that can truly help in the workplace so that people aren't falling apart. Well, I'm sure you are just as sick as I am about hearing about people taking their own lives and everybody saying, I had no idea that there was anything wrong. I know why, because people are not having strong conversations like the one we're having right now. Yeah, it's really tragic. It really is tragic. Okay, Sharon, where should they go if they want more of you? Huh, just Google my name. I wouldn't bore anybody with the details. In 2023, I wouldn't insult your audience to not know how to use every internet thing. Sharon Fegarty, you'll be sick of me, just like I'm sick of me. Oh, but yeah, there's we're not ton- sick of you. Thank you, but you know, I mean, there's a lot of information out there. <laughs> I'd prefer that people listen to my book versus buying it because you will hear ridiculous things out of my mouth. I also have a podcast that Sharon will be on soon, The Broken Road to Mental Health and Life and in Business, where professionalism is not a word. Real talk is more the the gig. And that's it. I appreciate you. I appreciate these conversations. And I'm happy that I, I got to meet you. Ditto. Sharon Fegarty, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. And in wrapping up, For all of you thinkers out there, what did you think of the show? If you are a feeler, how did hearing this make you feel? And for all of you doers, what are you going to do based on what you've heard? Now, regardless of what your personality code is, my goal is to spread the word that burnout is a unique experience. And by decoding it, you can find solutions that are equally unique to you. Help me spread this message by subscribing to the show on Apple or Spotify and leaving us a review telling us what you think, feel, or do differently because of the show. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you can also leave me a comment or questions to answer in future episodes. And please recommend the show to anyone struggling with burnout. If you are ready to take the next step with me to DYB, go to decodeyourburnout.com and I'll see you right back here next week. Bye, everybody.